Thank you for joining us today. The Word of God provides everything we need throughout our earthly existence. There is absolutely nothing that has, is, or will occur in our lives that is not covered by the blood of Jesus. Our sovereign God loves us so much that He created us in His own image and sacrificed His only begotten sinless Son to cover all of our sins. When we surrender our all to Him, we begin to experience the greatest love of all and become recipients of eternal life. Listen with Bible pen and paper handy as Pastor Rander ministers to us today. We're going to go to now the Bible, God's Divine Revelation to Man, Part 2. The Bible, God's Divine Revelation to Man, Part 2. How do we know that the Bible is the only book God ever wrote? Isn't that a critical question? How do we know? Everybody's saying, well, my Bible's the Bible. And all that kind of stuff. And, and anything that God does, Satan come alongside and try to counterfeit the work of God so as to deceive you away from God. And this is a very, very critical series because there's a lot of false doctrine out there, a lot of false teachings out there, a lot of things being said in books and radio and television and periodicals. And you can't believe everything you hear. You can't. Uh, believe everything that you see. You have to know the truth of the Word of God for yourself. If you are biblically illiterate, you cannot glorify God to the extent that God wants to be glorified. And so we want to walk circumspectly in a world that wants to toss you about with no spiritual footage, with no spiritual foundation. We want you strong and a pillar of strength in the times in which we live. Why don't you say amen? amen? So how do we know that the Bible is the only book God ever wrote? Number one, because of the fulfilled prophecies in the Bible. For example, there are many Old Testament prophecies concerning Christ's first coming. Prophecies. In other words, you had in the Old Testament, you had prophets, Old Testament prophets coming on the scene, and they spoke in the spirit prophetically about things that would happen centuries and centuries and centuries later, long after they would have gone to be with the Lord. And so predictive prophecy is one way we can know that the Bible is legitimate, that it is real, and that it is true. Let me give you some examples as you see. Look at the prophecy. The first prophecy we have here is his virgin birth. In the Old Testament reference of Isaiah 714, you have Isaiah coming on the scene saying in the spirit by God, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means what? God with us. This is what Isaiah said. And then if you look at the New Testament, you have the fulfillment of what Isaiah said many, many, many centuries ago. In the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1 verse 20, it says the prophecy here being fulfilled by Isaiah. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Look at that. Look at that prophecy being fulfilled. Uh, spoken by Isaiah centuries ago. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 1 verses 30 to 35 it says... And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. 
And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and, sh and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. There you have Isaiah speaking prophetically, and then the prophecy being fulfilled here in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20, and the Gospel of Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 30 and 35. Another Old Testament prophecy uh, you have the prophecy concerning our Lord's triumphal entry. In the Old Testament, there's a reference speaking to the Lord's uh, coming uh, centuries uh, later. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, you have Zechariah, that prophet of God, saying, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation lowly and riding on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. Look at Zechariah talking and speaking of something that God had given him by the Spirit many, many centuries earlier. And then we have the prophecy being fulfilled with 100% accuracy. Look at the New Testament fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, it says, the next day a great multitude multitude that had come to the feast. When they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Then Jesus, when he had found a donkey, look at this prophecy being fulfilled, sat on it as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's coat. Isn't that marvelous that you have Zechariah prophesying all those years earlier and then centuries and centuries later the prophecies coming to fruition and fulfillment with 100% accuracy. That's how you know the Bible is true. What other what book can do that? Oh, what other book can do that? Let's look at the, the prophecy uh, concerning his side being pierced. The Lord's side being pierced. The Old Testament account is found in Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10. It says, I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. Look at that prophet Zechariah. And then it's being fulfilled. The side of our Lord being fulfilled on Calvary. That prophecy being fulfilled in the Gospel of John, verse 19 and 34. It says, but one of the soldiers pierced his side and with a spear and immediately blood and water came. Blood and water came out. Look at the prophecy being fulfilled, spoken by Zechariah so many centuries earlier. Then you have the prophecy of the broken bones, the Lord's broken bones. The Old Testament reference is Psalms 34, 20. It says, he guards all his bones. Not one 
of them is broken. In other words, not one of the bones of the Lord Jesus Christ would be broken at Calvary. Here's that prophecy being spoken by the psalmist. And then look at the New Testament fulfillment century later with 100% accuracy. In the Gospel of John chapter 19, verses 32 through 33, it says, Then the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who was crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus, and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Man, that make me want to shout. That is just astounding. No, no book can do that, y'all, but the Bible, God's miracle book. Look at the prophecy in the Old Testament concerning Christ's resurrection. In the Psalms number 16, verse 10, it says, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. Talking about our Lord. And then look at the New Testament fulfillment concerning Christ's resurrection. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 7, it says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then, as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again? Wow. The Psalms predict the resurrection, and then we see the fulfillment of it with 100% accuracy in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 7. Then you have the prophecy of our Lord's uh, ascension, Christ's ascension. In the Old Testament, the reference the psalmist speaks in the spirit, saying in Psalms 110 verse 1, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. That's our ascended Lord there, prophetically uh, uh, spoken uh, by the psalmist. But in the New Testament, we see the fulfillment of the Psalms, saying in Acts chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. We see the Lord's ascension as prophesied in Psalms 110, verse 1. Isn't that just exciting? Isn't that just exciting? Wow! That makes me want to jump all over the place. My friends, the Bible is 100% true. Okay, now we'll go to number two. So we said the Bible, we, we, how can we know the Bible is, that God wrote the Bible? Because of predictive prophecy. Uh, secondly, uh, we know uh, that the Bible is the only book God ever wrote because of scientific accuracy. Because of scientific accuracy. Even though the Bible is not a science book, it is scientifically accurate 
when it speaks of matters concerning science. Wow. In other words, the science can be found in the Bible. Let me give you an example. A, God created the universe out of nothing. Out of nothing. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 it says, By faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are invisible. In other words, man needs something to make something. Huh? And man needs to use God's dirt, God's tree. Huh? A man needs to use something that God has already made to make something. Huh? This building wasn't just, you, no, nobody can make this building with nothing. You had big trucks coming in, cement trucks coming in, this, all the steel coming in, all that stuff coming out the ground. They were bringing in God's stuff <laughs> to erect this facility. Huh? To make this coat, your tie, your glasses. They, they needed some, some thread. They, they, they have to have something to make something. But only God can take nothing. And out of nothing, create something. And, and the reason he can take nothing and create something out of nothing, because he's God all by himself. He's God all by himself. B, the word is moisture. Moisture. Moisture in the atmosphere goes through, through a cycle of evaporation and condensation. And the scripture, the, the sign scripture on that is found in Psalms 135, 7a. He causes the vapors to ascend from the earth, from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning <laughs> for the rain. You see, moisture, that aspect of science is in the Bible. Uh, see, I love this one. The shape of the earth is what? Round. The shape of the earth is what? Round. Let me give you a little history lesson just for a moment. Would you just let me digress just for a moment? I feel pretty good this morning. In 1942, Christopher Columbus sailed from Spain looking for a new trade route to the Indies. He was unable to secure funding for his expedition from the king of Portugal because the king and his experts did not believe he could make the trip because the distance was too great and the earth was flat. So they, they wouldn't fund Christopher Columbus. He was subsequently able to secure funding from the king and queen of Spain. It was during his voyage that the theory of a flat earth was fully disproved because his ships did not fall off of the edge of the earth. My goodness. Well, in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 22a, it says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. All they had to do was go to the Bible. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. My friend, long before Christopher Columbus made his discovery, God had already declared that the earth is round. That's a, all you got to do is go to the book. Let's look at number three. A couple more. D, the earth is suspended. 
The earth is what? Suspended. That's the word. In what? Space. In Job chapter 26, verse 7. I love this verse. You say you say that every time. I can't have it. I love them all. Job 26, 7 says, look at this. Look at brother Job as he speaks. He stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. God, he hangs the earth. He doesn't need a string. He doesn't need something to hold. He doesn't need super glue. He hangs the earth on nothing. The sun is there. The stars are not hanging on some kind of heavenly string. All that stuff just hangs there. And you can look at it and you can just enjoy it. And when you look at creation, all you can conclude is how great thou art. Oh, that's awesome. That is awesome. E, the stars are a great, the word is distance from the earth. The stars look close, but they are a great distance from the earth. In Job chapter 22, verse 12, it says, Is not God in the height of heaven? And see the highest stars, how lofty they are. In other words, lofty, how high they are. Number three, the Bible, oh, let's go from the scientific evidence. So the Bible is true because even science can be established. And you can see science all over the Bible. And so let's go on to the next one. Uh, the Bible is true, number three, because it validates archaeology. Say archaeology. The word is archaeology. The existence of the Hittites was questioned in spite of numerous biblical references to them. The existence of the Hittites was questioned in spite of numerous biblical references to them. Uh, for example, I'll read these rather fast. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 2, it says, And I will send my angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites, which proves they, were, they existed. That was a nation that existed. And the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When the Lord uh, your God brings you into a land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites... And the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you. The Hittites was a real nation that others were trying to disprove. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, Deuteronomy 20, 17, it says, but you shall utterly destroy them, the Hittites. Don't tell me the Hittites didn't exist. The Bible said they did. And the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, just as the Lord your God has commanded you. In Joshua chapter 3 verse 10 it says, And Joshua said, By this you shall know the living God is among you, and that he, he will without fail drive out from before you the, Canaan, the Canaanites and the what? Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Gergesites and the Amorites, <laughs> all these ites, and the Jebusites. Boy, man, I'm glad we don't have all that today. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 11, we see the Bible also substantiating the Hittites. It says in Joshua 24, verse 11, 
Then you went over the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. Also the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the what? Hittites, the Gergeshites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. But I delivered them into your hands. In other words, the Hittites did exist as a nation because the Bible said so. And to further add to that, archaeologists also say so. However, in, in 1906, during an excavation, Hugo Winkler of Berlin discovered an ancient Hittite capital where numerous clay tablets were discovered which were written in Hittite language. You see here, archaeologists discovering that the nation of the Hittites really existed as others were trying to disprove. And then the skeptics for years questioned the existence of Belshazzar as king of Babylon. However, archaeological discoveries have established not only his existence, but also his association with his father, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, as well as his relationship to Nebuchadnezzar. My wife and I have been to Israel a number of times, and there are still archaeological digs and discoveries are being made as it relates to things that the Bible has said, and then they find it thousands of years later, even today, being unearthed as spoken in Scripture so many years ago. So even the Bible affirms archaeology. Uh, number four, we know God wrote the Bible because it calls us names we would never call ourselves. You know, we like ourselves too much to call our own self names unless you kind of got some kind of mental disorder. <laughs> you know, you, you don't walk around here saying, you know, I'm crazy or I'm a lunatic. You know, you don't, you know, you'll go, you, 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 you say, aren't I pretty? <laughs> Uh, am I handsome? Uh, I'm quite intelligent, you see. And uh, you, 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 many folk are stuck on themselves and they don't have room in their vocabulary to call themselves names. But the Bible calls us names that we would not call ourselves. That's how I know the Bible has validity and that the Bible is from God. Let me, let me tell you some names the Bible calls us. Y'all ready? In Job 15, 16, it says, How much less man who is abominable and filthy. Last time you call yourself filthy. Who drinks iniquity like water. Bible said man is filthy. And when you see all the diabolical, damnable things, a whole lot of filthiness is coming. Uh-huh, huh, huh? Through humanity in the world in which we live. The Bible calls us filthy. Oh, when the last time you called yourself filthy? Huh? Oh, no, 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 no. You say, I, I took my bath. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. The last time you call yourself a sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. If you're lazy, you're a sluggard. You can't get up and go to work, you're a sluggard. What well, the Bible said. You, know, you got some kind of disorder. No, you lazy. 
You got a lot of folk on a government assistance. Now, some folk legitimately needs to be there, so don't throw rocks at me. But there are a whole, whole lot of folk laying up, getting fat, watching TV shows, having more babies to get more money. The problem is they need to get up and go to work. It ought to be a statute of limitation on how long you can lay in the house. Oh, God, help me preach this message. Calls him a slugger. Uh, 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 let me go on and call some more names here. I'm so glad I ain't calling you these names. The Bible calling you these names. Okay? Uh, Proverbs 18.2 says, A fool has no delight in understanding, but in expressing his own heart. Also, Psalms 14.1 says, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. Remember I talking about there's no God? I don't care how intelligent they are. I don't care they have a PhD sitting in Professor C at some major university. They are educated fools. The Bible calls you a fool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got, the Bible calls some children fools. Uh, uh, Isaiah 64.6 6 says, but as we all like an unclean Thing. That's what it calls us, an unclean thing. And all our unrighteousness are like filthy rags. Filthy rags. Unclean things. Filthy rags. Well, I know the Bible is true. None of us will call ourselves these things. Jeremiah 17, 19 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. And his word Desperately wicked. Who can know it? If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base.